The game continues. Hour number two. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Big Steve is running things across the glass. The weather is, uh, I suppose, being kind to those in need. Other mm. than the K-State baseball team, they mm. were set to open up a two-game series tonight at Toyton Family Stadium against Air Force. But uh, due to the rain, uh, that's that game today is not going to happen. They will play one game tomorrow with a 4 o'clock first pitch. That means pregame will start at 3.30 here on K-Man. Uh, that also means we will not have a show tomorrow. So we're taking tomorrow off as a show, but we'll be back on Thursday with a full two hours and an hour and a half show coming up on Friday. All right, let's continue on with the game. We're now going to speak with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim365, co-founder of Sikkim365. Ashley, it's a pleasure to uh, meet and speak with you here on the game. Uh, first of all, just uh, I, I do got to ask about the emotions of losing that game to uh, North Carolina in the round of 32. It had to be a heartbreaker. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything like it. You know, to uh, come back from 25 points down, for North Carolina to have uh, two of their starters, Brady Manick get, got ejected, and then, of course, uh, Caleb Love fouled out. So to have those two guys down, most Baylor fans would have bet on Baylor's chances to finish the job in overtime. But uh, some unlikely heroes for North Carolina, and uh, North Carolina's moving on. That was uh, a tough game for Baylor fans, but they, they did it with a lot of smoke and mirrors this year. They had a lot of injuries that they had to deal with, and uh, – that caught up to him in the in the NCAA tournament. Well, earlier today, Scott Drew talking to the media specifically about Drum Tang moving on to become the head coach of K State. He was asked about you know if if you knew if it was your last game of Jerome Tang, you know this or that. Uh, but he also mentioned you know if it, if I knew it was my last game, I, I don't think it would be because Jerome Tang and, and staff you know they would make sure that wasn't the last game, but uh, it was, <laughs> and. Right. Uh, I, Big reason, of course, we're having you on is because we're getting to know Jerome Tang just now. You know, he's doing a lot right. of social media stuff with K State, but uh, I'm sure it's a guy you've gotten to know quite well over the last 19 seasons. Uh, from from your opinion, just what kind of guy is K State getting with Jerome Tang? Well, I think you're getting the right fit for K State. He's a he's a grinder. Like he's he's a great leader. He's a man of faith. He's a hard worker. He he does things in a very blue collar manner, and uh, I think that's a key uh, piece for him succeeding anywhere. But you know, especially for, you know, I think K State he'll fit the culture really well. You know, one one thing that uh, K State fans might no, not know about him is uh, Scott Drew's done a really good job of delegating to all of his assistants, preparing his assistants to be a head coach. But they do divide up responsibilities. You know, one of the coaches takes the bigs. Alvin Brooks, who used to be a coach at K-State, takes the wings. And Jerome Tang has uh, been responsible for the bigs. Uh, John Jacobs has been responsible for the guards. But, uh, you know, so you look at uh, his success rate with uh, big man development at Baylor, and it's been pretty incredible considering the, uh, you know, the ratings of the, of the guys coming out of uh, high school. Like a Jonathan Motley, not a top 100 guy, uh, becomes the Call Malone Power Forward of the Year. Freddie Gillespie, uh, a transfer from uh, Carleton College, Division Three school, becomes you know an All Big Twelve uh, type player. Joe Luau, Ashuil, and uh, guys like Jonathan Chamo Chachua, you know, very hard workers, flow thumbing, but not highly recruited guys coming out of high school. So, so I think K State fans are going to be excited uh, what they're going to get there as far as big man development. Uh, definitely, you know, trains those guys to finish around the rim strong and to to be rim protectors. I think that's going to be a strength of uh, K State going forward. But uh, 
you know, he's a complete package. He, he's a great communicator. He's, uh, you know, come from humble means, you know, so he knows what it's like to, to work hard and, and he knows how to build it. And obviously Tommy Lloyd's success at Arizona probably set the table for Jerome to get this job, uh, to, you know, because uh, Lloyd coming from the Gonzaga staff. But when you look at the, the great cultures in college basketball, you know, certainly the last five years, Baylor and Gonzaga and places like Purdue and uh, Virginia and uh, Villanova would be kind of top of mind. And, and, and so I think uh, you're getting a guy from a culture that's, um, you know, had a lot of success, Not definitely not an overnight success. I mean, this has been 19 years in the making, but he knows the formula for winning at a high level and sustaining excellence. And uh, I, I think you're going to be really happy with what you're getting. Well, with, Ashley, what you mentioned with the bigs, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing the sweetest music to K-State's ears with that because, I, I mean, clearly the last couple of years, and it's not just the last few years, uh, but maybe a lot of the Bruce Weber era did have a weakness, and that was at uh, the five. You just hadn't seen the strong development. It would be great drum team to come in here and really develop. Uh, if those guys decide to stick around, really develop the bigs that are currently on the roster. Uh, speaking with uh, Ashley Hodge, co-founder of Sikkim 365 out of Waco, Texas. Have you ever seen Jerome Tang on a bad day? I've, we've seen a lot of positive. He doesn't seem like a guy that gets too angry or too negative. <laughs> well, you know, he, he's got a different personality than Scott, Drew. He, uh, Scott is relentlessly positive, but uh, Jerome Tang will chew your butt out, for, for, okay. for, you know, to put it nicely. I mean, he, he's not going to be as as tactful sometimes as, as Scott will be. Like, he's got a lot of uh, that, you know, um, old-school type of coaching uh, mindset. Now, now he definitely balances it with positive reinforcement, encouragement. Uh, players, you know, certainly feel the love that he has for them, and, and, and he does a great job just really balancing those two things. But, but I don't think you're going to get a guy that's, uh, you know, going to be a Pollyannish type of guy. You know, he'll, he'll be uh, – a guy that will be a little bit more raw, I think, at times with with his um, assessment of things, and and uh, you know, but but I think that's you know, I think K State fans are going to appreciate that about him. I mean, he's he's going to be a guy that's going to really balance uh, hard nosed coaching with uh, positive reinforcement really well. Boy, you're so right about Scott Drew. I, I'm the public address announcer for K State, and uh, being right next to the visitors bench, I've I, I've seen the way all coaches in the Big 12 Act, and he is by far the chillest. Um, Mark Adams might surprise a few folks, uh, because I saw him cuss a few folks, and he's the yeah. one that's supposed to be chill. Now, you know, I, I will say that, um, you know, Scott Drew's had such a, uh, a strong, like, uh, emphasis on holding your tongue, maybe not cussing yeah. out the rest. I, I, I sit behind the... Uh, visiting benches and you know so i'm i'm used to like the bob huggins of the world and and it's uh you're like you didn't give him a technical for that i mean good grief what do you have to do to earn a technical yeah but but i think jerome's going to follow in that you know he's probably been 19 years of conditioning you know to 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 not you know just unleash on officials or unleash on his players he's he's no frank martin when it comes to that but uh i do think he's he's going to be a guy that uh You'll see him, you know, be very uh, get on his players and, and and certainly demand a high standard. Well, Drew does too. He just does it in a much nicer way. He's more of a Ted Lasso type. And, okay. And Drum Tang has <laughs> probably got some more balance there. Well, 19 years of being groomed under under Scott Drew, it, it does bring up the question. Just from your opinion, he he has had opportunities 
in the last few years, maybe even going back further than that to get a head coaching job, maybe at a mid-major. Uh, but he, he's had those opportunities. What has held him back from going somewhere else previously? Is that all on him, maybe being picky about where he goes? Uh, what, what, in your opinion, is the answer to that? Yeah, I, I think it's been um, a combination of being picky. I, I, I know the jobs he's turned down. He's turned down some good opportunities, but uh, certainly nothing of the caliber of Kansas State. And, and you know, I think the fact that Baylor has had three years in a row where they've, um, you know, been number one seeds or would have been a number one seed certainly in the, in the year that, that COVID uh, canceled the tournament, and then you know again, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. That that's a huge deal. Like like for you know him to come in and to take Arizona, you know, to a to a one seed uh, in his first year coming, you know, off of Gonzaga. I, I think that gives a lot of athletic directors, you know, that makes makes their eye, eyebrows raise and they start asking the question, you know, is is it really culture that matters the most? And uh, I'm sure your listeners will love for me to take a, a shot at Kansas. Um, <laughs> but, but but you look at Kansas, you look at Duke, you know, you look at uh, North Carolina, some of those places where maybe there's more of a um, elitist mindset, maybe a little bit of coddling that goes on. Things aren't as hard at, as it is at a place like Baylor. And so, you know, like the Coach K uh, tree, I mean, they're, they're, those guys have not had much success. I mean, you look at, you know, Bobby Hurley and, and Wojo and, and Amaker and Dawkins. I mean, there, there's nobody. Collins at Northwestern. I mean, none of those guys are really just killing it. So so I do think coming from a place where culture is everything, you know, the Villanovas, the Baylors, the Gonzagas of the world, I think it's a huge deal. And, you know, and, and I think that's why Tommy Lloyd's done well at Arizona. And I think it's why Drum Tang's going to have a lot of success at Kansas State. So clearly, clearly with the new coach, I mean, a lot of fans are going to want to know the question about exactly how good of a recruiter is is this new head coach. And, and you know, Drum Tang has had a lot of time now to develop relationships. Uh, we've all heard from reports that he's, you know, he's got relationships from Florida, Louisiana, of course, Texas, uh, the Christian school down in Wichita, where you got Kendall Brown. Um, but you know, just in your opinion, how how strong do you think his recruiting is? Uh, well, I think he's a great recruiter. I, you know, and, and and he's probably been labeled as a recruiter to to um, you know the uh, ignoring his coaching abilities. I think I think he's going to balance the two really well. He, he certainly understands the game these days and how important the transfer portal is going to be uh, to building success. You know, he knows that you just have to look at Iowa State and what Osselberger's done. You know, to to revitalize that program in a very short period of time. So I'm sure he's going to put together a great plan. Uh, but, you know, he's 19 years at Baylor, and he's got a ton of connections in, in the, the basketball world. People trust him. People like him. And and so I have no doubt that, uh, you know, as, as the, the transfer portal gets hopping and as, as his relationships uh, all across the country uh, will pay big dividends and Kansas State will, will have a very impressive roster next year. It's super interesting to see how the uh, even the uh, the staff is going to build up here. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, we'll hear more about that. But um, we're speaking with Ashley Hodge, co-founder of Sikkim Three Sixty Five. I got a couple more for you here, Ashley. Uh, one of them is about Scott Drew. Uh, he, he's actually he, he's kind of built himself a nice little uh, coaching tree uh, with his old assistants previously to. 
Um, Jerome Tang have moved on to other places. I mean, a great example is Grant McCaslin, who was on the list of potentially becoming the next K-State head coach. He's at North Texas now. Sounds like he's going to go to SMU. Now, has, has Scott Drew, has he ever faced any of his old assistants that you know of? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think so. They they played an exhibition game against uh, a couple of his uh, assistants, like graduate assistants, but I don't think they've actually gone head-to-head because uh, his coaching tree is, is North Florida, uh, Matt Driscoll, and then you've got Paul Mills at Oral Roberts, and then Grant McCaslin at, at North Texas. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's always been talk that he would eventually meet up with his brother at some point, you know, he's a grand Canyon, but was at Vanderbilt before that. But, but uh, yeah, I don't, I think, I think they're going to try to avoid each other. Uh, now they will scrimmage. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I, I, I would have no doubt that uh, there may be some scrimmages between, I don't know, uh, you know, probably Tang and Drew wouldn't scrimmage because they're in conference. They're going to play each other. But, but uh, I certainly think that, uh, you know, Tang may be, uh, scrimmaging against uh, Oral Roberts or scrimmaging against Grant McCaslin. I mean, that, that would make sense. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think they've actually, I don't think he's actually met up against one of his assistants. So he definitely will when uh, for sure. Kansas State comes to Waco and, and uh, Baylor comes to Manhattan. Well, for sure, that that was a big reason why I asked. It's going to get a lot. It's going to become a lot of fun when you see those two teams uh, and those two coaches clash against one one another after 19 years together uh, at right. one school. All right, uh, Ashley. Before I let you go, I know spring ball has just begun there down there in Waco. Do you have any uh, football sport, uh, storylines early on that you can uh, give us? Well, Baylor's going to be interesting. I, I, I haven't studied K State's roster yet, but. Uh... Baylor um, returns almost everybody on their offensive and defensive lines, and they added uh, a, a Tulsa transfer on the defensive line, Jackson Player, who's expected to be uh, was one of the best players in, in, in their conference, and, and he's expected to be a big piece as well. So I think there's a lot of optimism uh, for Baylor football this next year because obviously coming off of a Big 12 championship and – um, I've heard a rumor that it's important to have good lines in in football on the offensive and defensive. It line. helps. So, <laughs> so if that so if they can avoid injuries, I, I think you know you can always kind of plug and play some skill players, and and they do return their two quarterbacks also, so that's an important position. But, but yeah, it was a lot of the defense, a lot of skill guys, um, some good linebackers, you know, secondary guys, but they have some guys waiting in the wings that they're excited about. So it should be an interesting season. I probably shouldn't ask this. But do you think things are a lot more chill now that Kim Mulkey is no longer the head women's basketball coach? <laughs> you should ask Jerome that. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say this: um, Kim is an amazing coach. Um, she's going to be—I mean, obviously, she's a Hall of Famer, one of the best uh, coaches out there. But uh, I'll just—I'll leave it at: um, I'm glad Baylor has Nikki Collins. Very excited about her. Awesome stuff, Ashley. I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on the show to say some really awesome things about Jerome Tang, and I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road. Well, I'm excited for him. He's a great man, and I uh, consider him a friend. And uh, It'll be tough to cheer against him when he comes to Waco, but uh, for, for that one day I will. But for the rest of the, for the, rest of the time, I'm, I'm really rooting for his success and for your success with him. So uh, good luck, and, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to be happy with the results. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Again, that's Ashley Hodge, co-founder of Sikkim365, and you can also follow him on Twitter, A.H. Sikkim. That's at A.H. Sikkim on Twitter. All right, we'll take a timeout. Uh, more on Jerome Tang next on The Game. 
I know before the show on Twitter, I was um, teasing that Derek Young from Case Carolina would be on the show. He will not be on today's show. Had ran into a little bit of an issue, so he's taking that, taking care of that. So nice. we'll, we'll try to get on later this week. No big deal. Life yeah. sucks. Yeah, well, we could get through the show without Derek Young, who is uh, yeah. fast, fascinating. He's got a great mind. He's really good on the show. Yeah, he why covers we... K State closer than. Basically anybody. Yeah, why would we need a guy like D.Y.? That doesn't live in Manhattan. Yeah. Why would we need a guy like that's him? Like talented and smart and cool and has the inside info that we're all craving? Why would we want a guy like that on the show? Come on. My uncle is on line one. He, uh, Yeah, he's got a tip for the basket. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Instead of D.Y., let's talk to my uncle, Richard. Five three seven thirteen fifty. If you want to call and you think you got something, you bring it on. Hey, it's me, Dave G's Uncle Richard, here to give you all your sports tips. I doubt it's that old. We need to run two tight ends. Thanks a lot, Coach. They just need to play better. (laughs) Pretty good. I mean, I've heard a lot of those phone calls before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was Dy. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dy. Wow, he's awesome. Still to come, number one song of the day and ask us anything. I, th- I thought um, Ashley Hodge brought up a, a, an interesting point with the comparison of what we're seeing at um, at Arizona right now. Tommy Lloyd, uh, having taken over that program after so many years at Gonzaga, and, and I had this thought as this developed on Sunday and, and into yesterday, I had that same thought that maybe we're now seeing a sea change with some of these programs as well where – Uh, An assistant may stick with a program for a long time until they feel like it is the right opportunity, the exact right opportunity to step in. Tommy Lloyd had been pursued from Gonzaga for a very long time, but you got used to seeing him on the sideline with Mark Few. It was almost as if he was attached to Mark. He finally got an opportunity. It surprised me that he took the Arizona job. Of all of the jobs, it's it's like taking the LSU job right now <laughs> yes. with everything that the school could go through yet uh, with the NCAA. That didn't phase him. He felt that that was the program where he could go in and make an impact and be able to build the program the right way, the way that he wants to build it in the image of what Mark has accomplished at Gonzaga. And I think in many ways that that is a a mindset that Jerome Tang probably had, given the number of jobs that people keep telling us that he was approached for in the past and that he elected to stay at Baylor instead and stick with what he felt was the program built the the way that he wanted to see it built and one that he can now refer to and go back as he builds his own program. It's not it's not bad when you're rebuilding a program to have a bunch of four stars and felt like you do no, in Arizona. And, and, that, you, and that is very true as well. He in in Tommy's case, he did inherit one heck of a roster from Sean Miller. But on top of that, the problems that come around with the culture, we keep talking mm-hmm. about culture, it's tough to shake, unshake that tree once it's begun. And tell these guys that might have been the way it was is not the way it is anymore. Well, it, Arizona last year, remember, it was a shortened season. Uh, they did not make the NCAA tournament. They finished sixth place, fifth place mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 and finished seventeen and nine. Like seventeen and nine, like it's not terrible in a shortened season. You don't make the postseason, 
but he has also made it to the Sweet 16 as a favorite to win a national championship with a lot. Like the top six or seven scores on that team were all on last year's team. He is doing it with the current crop of guys that were there a year ago. One of the things that will always stand out to me in regards to Arizona under Sean Miller was that Tad Boyle made it made it his job almost as one of his priorities to do everything he could to beat Arizona because of his disgust with Sean Miller in that situation. And when Tommy Lloyd was looking at taking the Arizona job, I know that he had a conversation with Tad, at least one, because Tad and Mark Few go way back uh, from when they were assistants at varying places. In Mark's case, at Gonzaga, in Tad's case, even when he was at Wichita State under Mark Turgeon. But before that, when he was working with Turge at Jacksonville State, mm. um, you know, th- those are those are you know ties where, uh, as Tommy Lloyd looked to go into the Pac-12, he wanted to get Tad's view of the situation, and Tad knows what Arizona was at that point. Uh, let's just say Tad and Sean Miller will never get along, mm. and you know, to be able to take. Uh, a, a program and step in in turn it the way that he did after there was so much from the outside just weighing on that program last year. There was no way that they were going to be a great ball club because Sean Miller couldn't coach the way that he wanted to coach given all of the pressure that was coming down on him. Because you're talking the NCAA is still investigating. You've got the media that is from a national scale coming down on you. Uh, you have no contract, by the way, essentially. You're, you're wanting an extension and the school is saying, no, we're not going to give you that extension. And you put all of those factors in, and that's going to get to guys. That's going to get to players, those are the types of outside things I think that Bruce wanted to allude to when he was even talking about social media and its impact on a program on his way out the door here. You know, players do hear those things. Players do see those things. And they do take a toll, especially when you've got so much of the national spotlight on you if you're Arizona right now because of what's going on. It's part of why already we're seeing discussion about Kansas's recruiting not being what it's been in the past. Well, what kind of pressure is that going to add to it's Bill still Self pretty good. and that, to Bill Self and that program though going forward? What's it going to do going forward? You know, even if it's just a little chip away, it's still impactful. Yeah. To go from well, that to a guy like Tommy Lloyd at Arizona and the players bought in quickly, you know, it helps that yeah, he's able to step in and and flash hardware given the number of final fours that Gonzaga has been a part of of late and be able to step in there and say, this is how we've done it for this many years. You're watching those guys on TV. Let me show you how we can do it here and be even better. And they, you know, Arizona, it's like, you know, that it's coming. It's not only the NCAA, the FBI, you know, like that got away on a guy. Um, whatever the decision is, it's coming. And I think it's one of those things when you looked at Arizona, especially last season, it was a rudderless team. Yes. It was a team full of guys where you're like, 
they should just be able to roll the ball out and beat people, which and, they did. And, and again, how much of that was the pressure on Sean, and he just didn't coach. Right. He could. He had no. And the team had no direction. And now, even if they come down and give them uh, Oklahoma State esque penalty, I think they have the right guy in place to keep the keep the momentum and keep it going forward and saying, hey, this is what's handed down. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but let's keep this going. I think this is probably the right guy for the job. They are a solid basketball club. I know TCU took them to overtime. but <laughs> and, uh, and should have had a foul call at midcourt, but that's a whole other Phantom. Oof. Yikes. Uh, but they are good. They are, they are solid, and they, they are going to – I think uh, they're on for a run with this guy, especially their coach. And honestly – we talked about it earlier, but if you're Jerome Tang and you walk into some recruit's living room with that ring on, ah. <laughs> sign me up. Sign me. First up. of all, let's let, let's pump the brakes a little bit and trying to compare Lloyd and oh, Jerome Tang. Yeah, well, yeah, it's but not even it, valid. It, it's going to be a much tougher job for Jerome Tang to sure. to build a team to what he feels is the caliber that he's like the goals to meet. I, it's not uncommon to bring a four star to Manhattan. No. But we haven't seen the proper development. Like, not everything True. has worked out. We've seen a lot of guys not pan out, right. and a few that have, especially in the last handful of years. I mean, we haven't had a true class really pan out since Barry, Dean, and Cam. No, and that's a and that's a valid point, and you're absolutely right on that. But then I look at the history of Baylor and what Jerome Tang and that staff went through when they took over that job in 2003. For sure. I mean, it was at the bot. It was as he's, low he's as you could be. Book. He's got the book. He's got the, the guide right there to look at. Remember, like, the first three years of Baylor, once they took over, was still terrible. They were awful. And they gained a little bit of ground maybe in the next three years. Right. Like, they went to the NIT or something like that. I mean, for, the, for a while, even if you count the first three years of Scott Drew, and then you also tack on what happened previously, like, 10 years or so, terrible basketball. Mm -hmm. It was not good for Baylor for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I think there was the the slack for Scott Drew and Jerome Timmy, or Jerome Timmy, Jerome Tang to build up the program. Like, if it was any other situation, it was just a transition to an old coach, they're probably done after three years. Those terrible three years that started it all out. Well, let's be perfectly honest. Again, controversial pick for the Big 12, thanks to legislative pressure in Austin, and they did not come into the Big 12 prepared to be a part of the Big 12. Bad football, bad women's basketball, bad men's basketball. The only the only sport that they had that, that is one that fans truly get into, baseball. That was the only sport that they had that was at a Big 12 caliber when they moved into the conference. Well, and I'll add this as well. I believe... Um uh, Charles Fuamigo did hint at this or did mention this briefly yesterday with, when we were on with Wyatt, and that is about the roster that Baylor had when they took over. Oh, it was it, I, calling it half walk-ons, half scholarship might be generous. It might actually have been worse than that when it came to the walk-ons they had to get because. And you heard if if you guys missed the first hour of the show, go back to the podcast, listen to the first hour because Scott Drew talked talked about this, and that's about how. When they first started, recruits did not want to let them in the door. No. Did not want anything to do with Baylor. They were as close to a death penalty program as 
anybody has been since SMU in 1985. I mean, and that says a lot about him and Scott Drew as well, because nobody wanted the job. Everybody's like, yeah, right. It's it's the same reason, and, and I'm intrigued by the hire at LSU in that they got Murray State's guy, because I really felt like that they would have to get a guy who's along the lines of a Roy Williams at North Carolina taking the Kansas gig because of Larry Brown's malfeasance. That's the way I looked at what LSU was going to have to be. Or, in the case of Arizona, Tommy Lloyd coming over from Gonzaga. You know what? I was planning to talk Brad Underwood, but Troy just totally hijacked the segment. As soon as I mentioned Arizona, boy, did he have to get something. No, I'm just joking. Here's the deal about, I won't get into it today now uh, because we need to get to the number one song of the day. And that's also a big topic I wanted to talk to with uh, Derek Young because, um, you know, he, he... he has obviously got an insight for K-State men's basketball. I think he would be a great source to talk about exactly. And it's not going to, like, if he says anything, it's not going to really skew what I do feel about the situation with Brad Underwood and what took place. I'm just saying, like, I, without getting too much into it, it's on Brad Underwood. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. that he's not the coach. He, he made his decision. He made his decision. Right. And, you know, it does, it stings a little to, to know that it won't happen. Because it always it seemed like the stars had aligned, but they weren't perfectly aligned every time he could have been the coach. But here's the here's the big deal about that. Maybe not the biggest deal, but it's a huge part of what he could have cured just by na- being named the head coach. What he could have cured, drum tank cured. Yeah, he he did. His name and him coming to K State, him being all over social media, brought the fan base back together. Yep, it truly did. The difference I do see with Brad Underwood is that if things don't work out, there's going to be more slack for Brad Underwood than Jerome Tang. I, I truly feel that. Like, if if there's three years and, you know, you, you maybe go to one NCAA tournament, having a tough time finishing in the top half of the Big 12, which I, I wouldn't see that happening anyway. Like, I think it could be a lot better under Brad Underwood from what I just gave you. Um, but he, he would get a lot of slack. Uh, for being a K-State guy, for being a Kansas guy, I think there'd be a lot more hope that he could get it done. Just need to give him extra time. Uh, with Jerome Tang, you, we we could certainly get that. I think we could certainly get that. Uh, but I, I just don't think you'll get that much slack if things don't get turned around at the three-year span. But I hope it does. I, 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 here's the deal, though. Like I don't have that any sort of – I don't have that thought or that prediction that Jerome Tang can't turn things around. I think right. he totally can. He, the, the proof is there. Did it one time in the worst situation you could possibly imagine. Um, and that's going to be a big talk over the last, or over the next however months. Right. About what he was able to do at Baylor and can he get it done at K State? I right. have full confidence. Same. That he can. Uh, we talked about it off the air. How many people in a row now have we heard say, mm-hmm. this guy, I will not root for them when they play Baylor, but when they're not, I'll be rooting for him. I mean, it's been three people in a row, and everyone's saying he's ready for the job. Also, quickly, I want to see Brad Underwood get it done at Illinois as well. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I know he's a great coach. I wanted him to be the next head coach at K-State, but he has a little bit of proving to do as well. Yeah, he need, He's got to win in the postseason. He, he has to. And he just, you know. <laughs> no, you're totally right. You're, one, you're 100% correct. 
won a couple conference championships, no doubt about he, that. He can't has, take it away. He but can't take that away. Yes, it completely fizzle out in the Big Ten tournament and can't get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. You are right about that. Yep. Number one song of the day next. Everybody with the claps. Hey, hey, love me. Uh, Big Steve knows the song, doesn't he? You're clapping along. I was just doing it just to be oh, cool. Just I don't know this song. Oh my! Again, I'll put it back on record. I think the Beatles are overrated. Just saying. Ah. From 1965, eight days a week by the Beatles, two weeks, number one. Sage. Uh, English rock band, Liverpool, started in 1960. Yeah. Liverpool. Liverpool. Best known with the lineup of uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Because we are the Beatles. <laughs> That's my John Lennon. <laughs> From uh, Dewey Cox. Walk hard, man. That yeah. is great. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> who else can I uh, do an impression of? It's not my bag, baby. <laughs> that damn Yoko, she broke up the band. Oh, that's uh, uh, Ringo. Uh, or, or George Harrison. Maybe a little Paul. Okay, oh. Paul. Paul. <clears throat> I'm not great you with impressions. The bomb. Yeah, yeah, I am. You're yeah. a little better. You're yeah, a little yeah, better yeah, with little, the English accent, especially the Liverpool. Liverpool. You know, is this the string of 72 straight number ones that they had back in? So year? I'll get to that here in a second. Oh, so, my bad, my bad, my uh, bad. best-selling act of all time. Yeah, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in '88. They're yada, all yada, yada. also in as a single artist. Uh, <laughs> it's like let's trying see. to describe Muhammad Ali to somebody. Right. Yeah, like, much, yeah. Was he good? Yeah. Eh, well, <laughs> 13 studio albums, 50 top 40 hits. This is their seventh of 20 number ones, which is a record, and it's from their seventh album released in the United States called Beatles Six. Okay, so uh, there's two possibilities on where eight days a week came from. So Paul McCartney claims that he asked his chauffeur while driving to John's house if he was busy. And the chauffeur came back with, busy? I've been working eight days a week. (laughs) Boy, you could tell a lot by the Beatles with that sentence, couldn't you? Driving these guys nuts with all the traveling they do. Uh, John Lennon also claimed that this was one of Ringo's uh, quorums. Like, he always used a word wrong. Mm. Like, he would throw it and do it on purpose. Like, eight days a week. Well, no, it's seven days a week, but yeah. he would say it on purpose just um, to be different. Isn't that a malprism? Malprism? Uh, malaprops. Malaprops. Malaprops is the word you're looking for. Yes. Uh, I was also looking for it as well until you brought up the mal. Hmm. Uh, John Lennon claimed to not like this song. In a 1980 interview with Playboy magazine, he stated eight days a week was never a good song. We struggled to record it and struggled to make it into a song. It was Paul's initial effort, but I think we both worked on it. I'm not sure. I don't remember. It's lousy anyway. John Lennon, ladies and gentlemen. It was a lousy song. I can't say I can't do it. I, you gotta. You see, I it was like a lousy song, at. mate. Oh, it's very lousy. 
See, the thing about England, there's like 20 different English accents. Absolutely. One time, I was bartending at Tubby's, and um, these two girl, gals are from uh, the UK, and they came in order to drink, and I was like, hey, you want to drink? And she goes, oh, look, it's Oliver Twist. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I got smoked. So yeah. I'll never do another English accent ever Hashtag again. roasted on Twitter, roasted. Mr. DG. Hashtag roasted. Uh, let's see what else do we have. Uh, the Beatles, they actually wrote this song for the movie Help. Which was actually originally titled Eight Arms to Hold You. Hmm. Now the track opens with a fade in. It's the opposite of a fade out, for those that don't know what a fade in is. Uh, Marking the first time that this technique had been used on a pop studio recording. Whoa. How about that? Okay. Coming up in the world. All right. Here's what you're looking for, DG. It was the last of seven songs by the Beatles to top the Billboard Hot 100 over a one-year period, marking an all-time record for a single act. In order, the seven songs were I Want to Hold Your Hand, She Loves You, Can't Buy Me Love, Love Me Do, A Hard Day's Night, I Feel Fine, Eight Days a Week. Damn. Damn. Seven in a row. Just bleh, bleh, bleh. The crushing. All right, let's take a quick break. A quick break. DG's Ask Us Anything is next. And it's time for the games. Ask us anything. It's me, DG. Uh, a real quick side note. I am getting sick and tired of all this Jerome Tang talk. The guy hasn't done a single thing yet. You know what I'm saying? He's making all the talk ticks and this stuff guy. for social media. And why isn't he out recruiting? No. He, he's working on hot takes every day, man. <laughs> I want to can a really angry call from a li- and just let Mitch why don't you uh, come to the press conference? Ask him yourself. <laughs> hey, why aren't you out recruiting five stars right now? <laughs> why are you just talking? You're wasting your time. Oh my God, no! That he, I am so happy. Um, first question, kind of piggybacking off Big Steve. Who do you think is the most overrated rock band of all time? I'm saying Aerosmith. Um, our friend uh, Sloan said no one's ever said. You know who I want to sound like? Aerosmith. They have never influenced any other band ever. Kiss. Ooh. That's a popular one. That is. That's a po- I'd go see him in it's concert. It's a popular one. Oh, I, I saw him in concert, but Ooh. I'm just pointing out that, I mean, in terms of musical ability, yeah. they are bland. Yeah. They, they, they can be bland. I, Honestly, I, it's the theatrics that really does it up. Right. I exactly. said and the, and the that look. one time on the morning show, and a guy has, n- I said it four years ago, and a guy has never forgiven me for it. He always, <laughs> he types, Love God! Yeah, you know he has a picture Facebook of you. Says, Shut up, he, He's DG. got a picture of you on his dartboard every morning, <laughs> just throwing darts. Mine, mine is uh, Def Leppard. Ah, a little Def Leppard. You don't like him. No, I'm not a, not a big fan. Not a big fan. Okay. That's... I, I think they also are a little bit, a little too commercial for me when it comes to rock music. Everybody expects me to say Nickelback. I, I think Def Leppard is like legit overrated. Nice. They're radio, they're radio rock through and through. They are. Yeah. They are. They were made for radios. Um, red flags. What is a soft red flag uh, that you're, you've just begun to accept from a significant other or maybe a friend or family member? I don't know if I just now like... Accepted it maybe a while back, but like, you know, back in the day, there's no way I would date a KU fan. Huh. I think I would be okay with yeah. it 
It would be tough. There would be a lot of arguments. I'm never going to get the house divided plate on the front of my Jetta. No, 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 no. Um, for me, it was one about me. Uh, Sarah used to, when she'd come over to my house when we were dating, there'd be a bunch of red box DVDs that hadn't been returned. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm terrible with money. Want to marry me? <laughs> I bought a lot of video games from Redbox. Um, oh, jeez. You know, I'm going like to piggy- piggyback that one about myself, too. Because oh. when me and my wife got together, I, I'm still terrible with money. She's uh-huh. probably the only reason we still have a roof over our heads and I can still come into work, all right? You're like, here you go. Take the money. You know the nice thing about being uh, together for 25 years? Most of those red flags we don't even remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see her do something, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more. No, we have like ten seconds. Oh, uh, I think we're out of time. No show tomorrow, but we will have K State baseball three thirty pregame, first pitch of four o'clock against Air Force. Oh.